Hello, and welcome to the Marketing with a Book podcast. My name is Devin DeVries. I'm your guest host for the day. I am the Vice President of Production and Promotion of Indie Books International. We're so happy to have you here. Before we get into our guest of the day, we like to do an author roll call. So we will have a few of our authors introduce themselves. So first up, David, if you wouldn't mind saying your name, and the name of your book, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Devin. Hi, I'm David Goldman. I split my time between Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and Bonita Springs, Florida. And I am the author of the book, The Road to Happiness, How to Get What You Really Want. Wonderful. Thank you, David. Our guest today is Larry Cabaldon. He is the CEO of Boardroom Performance Group. He is an expert in the field of human resources and executive recruiting. And he's gonna to talk to us a little bit today about building a marketing platform during the COVID pandemic. Um, but first off, Larry, if you could just give us an introduction to yourself and your company, we would love to hear more about it. Sure, I'd be happy to, thank you so much. Yes, um, my name is Larry Cabalden, and I'm the CEO and founder of the Boardroom Performance Group, uh, was founded in 2008. My background, as Devin had mentioned, is uh, executive recruiting and talent and human resources. And I was fortunate enough to uh, get a lot of experience in uh, executive recruiting from PricewaterhouseCoopers, where I ran the uh, LA group and got exposure to the public companies, Arco, Paramount, and a number of smaller uh, companies, private companies, and uh, uh, also exposure to recruiting consultants to serve all of these uh, these clients. Uh, and then also what happened was uh, uh, in the 80s, I started doing work uh, as an independent consultant with clients that wanted to assess talent in mergers and acquisitions as part of the due diligence. And the biggest one we did was uh, the Bank of America when they were acquiring Security Pacific, Seattle First, where we developed some human resources, fast programs to improve merger acquisition performance. And so we did a rehire program. And in fact, we actually uh, assessed about 1,400 executives, rehired them, and about 300 board members. Now, as a result of that, uh, we started speaking at the California Bankers Association on uh, executive talent. and. Uh, during, if you remember, there, there were about three financial meltdowns in the banking industry. And so the banks were being closed, the regulators were putting through uh, mandates. And one of the assignments that we got, uh, and we got referred to by the bankers group, was when a bank was in trouble and the regulators basically said, if you don't make some changes, we're going to close you. So we had about 15 of those assignments and we assisted about uh, 13 of the banks uh, survive because uh, the penalty was if you didn't uh, uh, meet the mandated requirements, they would close or force you to merge. So from that, we became kind of the go-to source for boardroom performance and effectiveness and not just governance, which is, you know, can be a kind of a boring academic uh, approach. And so in the, in, the, in the last few years, we've also uh, been speaking at the California Bankers. We've been speaking at the National Association for Corporate Directors. And uh, you know, so what's happened is there's been a fundamental change in marketing, because I think this is what a lot of the consultants that we're talking to might be interested in, uh, in the boardroom that many consultants aren't aware of either the opportunities uh, you know, in, in the board ecosystem or the pitfalls. So what happened when I made a, a, a speech uh, about 50 uh, accounting attorneys at the California Bankers Association, 
in 2001 when uh, Enron collapsed and we needed to uh, make some changes. One of the fundamental changes that really impacted consultants was the fact that all of a sudden, uh, all the conflict of interests for marketing and selling. Enron was, uh, I don't know if you guys realize it, but it, uh, Arthur Anderson had $25 million in audit fees with Enron, but they also had, I think, 26 or 27 million in consulting fees. So one of the uh, uh, things that came out of all the Enron and Surveillance-Oxley and all that that affected people who sell to boards and sell to organizations was all of a sudden there was a huge emphasis on conflict of interest, you know, like uh, the old boys network and, you know, uh, everybody kind of feeding each other. So they, they made some very stringent rules about due diligence and a conflict of interest to the point where uh, the boards began to take over the buying decisions. Because when I was at PricewaterhouseCoopers, it was always the, uh, you know, we take the uh, CFO out, the CEO, Laker game, and so forth. And uh, but the last few years, that's been taken away. Okay, now you have to go to the board to get approval for the audit, for executive compensation, even for supply chain. So what's happened, and I don't think many consultants, many of the rainmakers understand this, is that the if they do not have a relationship with the board, they do not have a client. Because the other aspect of this is that uh, with all this fast paced movement, uh, executives and their teams are, are coming and going every three to five years. So many of us in the past have put forth all this effort and you get the request for proposal, develop the relationship through the CFO and the CFO and the CEO, they're all gone. And so what's going on in the boardroom is the new people coming in, the private equity people, they're bringing in their own people. So I don't think many of the rainmakers have figured this out that if you don't have a relationship with the board, you don't have a client. Okay, so one of the things we've been promoting is uh, for other consultants that I work with is how you can develop your, your understanding of the board ecosystem so you don't, uh, you're, not, you're not subject to those, those pitfalls and how can you expand your business? And then quite frankly, as a senior person, how you may wanna get on a board because some of the board opportunities for the second half for, you know, for senior people, it's on boards, you know, and quite frankly, you can make uh, 200 to a million dollars on certain boards. And for the nonprofits, you can make a substantial difference. So what I'm promoting is the idea that there's a huge market for uh, boards for rainmakers. And if they don't understand this, they're going to be shut out of the game. So that's my, that's my introduction. Great. Thank you. Yeah. One thing we talk about a lot with marketing and all of that is really figuring out who is your your target right. audience and obviously you know recruiting for a boardroom is a very specific type of thing so how do you kind of figure out who is your target that you are trying to reach well it, it's been a real challenge because myself and other consultants you know i've worked with some mckinsey former mckinsey consultants is that uh, we're so used to working with the c-level Okay, and the seat level is visible. The board members are kind of amorphous and so forth. So the, one of the ways we get into is through referrals. So when I try to approach a board, and it's not just for recruiting, I don't do executive recruiting anymore. I do boardroom effectiveness and performance. What I'll do is I'll get referred in by Deloitte, uh, KPMG, or the attorneys, or somebody else, or one of the board members, or private equity. So you have to kind of rethink, uh, you know, the, your uh, your pathway to the boardroom. 
Okay. And so uh, it's, it's invaluable that you have those kinds of relationships. And quite frankly, it, you know, they don't care if you wrote a book, they don't care, you know, it's part of your credibility, but what they want to see is, can you operate in the boardroom? Can you operate with private, uh, you know, uh, private equity investors and regulators. So that's where the action is. So the, the best advice I have is to rethink if you're trying to, to sell to an organization through the boardroom, uh, you know, what kind of contacts do you have? Uh, do you understand how a board works? Uh, do you know who the board members are? Uh, you know, do, do you know all of these things so that when you get that opportunity, you just don't go in and do your regular C-level uh, C promotion because it isn't going to work. So you have to go through almost a whole new uh, rethinking of, of, of how you do business with this new platform. Yes, absolutely. Which I think leads well into also with new circumstances coming out of COVID pandemic and just the way people are working differently, kind of what were some of the lessons that you guys learned in regards to your marketing for that? Well, it, it was cool because, you know, like most of the marketing that I've done, you know, has been through lunches and, you know, the typical, you go to the clubs and you, have, you do the speeches and you go to the NACD and, you know, you, 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 you know, you're trying to isolate that and make connections. So Pat and I were on our way to uh, Goleta at the Ritz-Carlton for a big National Association of Corporate Directors conference. And it was canceled as we were driving there because of COVID. So we figured, well, what are we going to do now? Because I looked at my calendar, you know, it's, it's packed with lunches and meetings and networking events and so forth. We said, okay, what do we do now since that's all going to be cut out? So what we what happened, and a lot of my marketing comes by accident. You know, so I had to become more intentional because I'm not that disciplined. But what happened was this. A lot of the associations called me and they said, hey, basically, we cannot charge uh, you know, for events and online events. Okay. So would you help us with some of the board issues that you kind of talked to us about and helped our association? So we got a call from the CEO leadership association. So we did like three presentations through keep uh, uh, KPMG, uh, excuse me, through zoom, uh, actually one presentation for a hundred of their contacts, CF CFOs who were interested in either uh, uh, how effectively they could handle their board responsibilities or get on boards once they retired or, or, or left the company. Then we got UCI Innovation Group. They, you know, the, uh, the startups wanted to know uh, what they should know about a board. So we did a Zoom for that. And then we got another one for the later stage companies at UCI. And then we got a request for uh, the UCI executive MBAs because uh, unfortunately we, we surveyed the 52 executive MBAs and only 10% of them knew anything about boards. And we're saying this is the new leadership frontier. So what happened is it, uh, the Zoom really helped and it forced me to kind of change my presentation style because I like to talk fast. I used to stutter and so forth. And so uh, instead of doing these, you know, boring PowerPoints, details and so forth, I had to change and be more interactive and, and become more of a, a, me, a like a media person rather than a consultant, you know, with a uh, a pointer at the at the PowerPoint, and it, it worked very well. So I think it was a warm media. And then with the follow-ups, individual follow-ups were much more exciting rather than me having to drive to LA than San Diego is to do three or four business meetings in the morning, uh, you know, and, and do it in my shorts, okay? So I think what happened, it was really better for me because I didn't have to work through all of the, the organizations and most of them paid for everything. Okay, so I didn't have to pay. And then the biggest thing that happened about two years ago, the private directors association called me. It's a, it's a new group that focuses on private boards. And they said, Larry, would you start a chapter in Orange County? 
we started one, uh, we merged with, uh, so I was president, we merged with LA. So after two years, uh, we were able to have Zoom meetings every month, 200 people. We were able to, to build it to 214 members with sponsors, auditors, wealth management, and so forth. And quite frankly, 80% of the people that joined and, and became sponsors, I never met in person. Okay, which is counterintuitive because I'm such a relationship guy. You know, we got to have a, a meal, we got to do this. But I think if you can craft the message and get interactive and show some energy, that a lot of people, because I know the first one we did, I think we did an, uh, like a, a, a just a questionnaire or a, a question session with executive next practices. Okay, and they wanted to know the consultant. Well, you know, why should I care about boards? You know, and I said, well, you know, you have board clients, you have this. Uh, do you know about boards and so forth? Uh, uh, eight people joined just as a result of that Zoom call. So I think the the Zoom uh, really taught me that you gotta you gotta pivot and figure out, you know, how can you change your presentation and make it warmer and get away from kind of the stodgy. Even working with the executive 52 executive MBAs, you know, we had to make it more exciting than the, you know, because people now are getting, uh, you know, they're, they're being entertained, you know, they don't want to have the, you know, the usual business, uh, long drawn out, uh, you know, uh, academic type presentation. So, and also they want something new. Tell me something I don't know and tell me, you know, some new things I can do and make it exciting. So I think that's Zoom really, really helped. And I was uh, excited after the two years because I, I got busier than when I was when I was running around driving and networking and doing all the things that I thought were worthwhile. Plus it was expensive and time consuming and not very uh, effective. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear. Because uh, I, I think a lot of people thought that we would lose all the connection mm -hmm. if we were forced to only have virtual presentations. And it, you're right, you have to change yep. how you present because it does come through differently. But as you've shown, there's a lot of potential in it and you can still foster relationships through yes. it. Um, what, do you have any tips on on the interaction piece? Anything that you've that worked uh, better, the best for you guys? Well, I think really, I think the other thing that we that we found is I always found that uh, a lot of the high powered people we deal with, you know, for speakers and relationships, uh, you can't just talk to them about stuff, and you have to have something new and unique that challenges them and engages them at the highest level. So one of the things that we focused on were events, virtual events, where I do a mock board and I have people that we'd have a professional kind of panel kind of a thing where you do the normal stuff, okay? But we try to jazz that up too. But then we do a mock board, which I script and we make it a drama like a soap opera, okay? And so I can get some very high power partners in charge. I, I can get all these high powered celebrity types to, you know, when, when, when I, I talk to them, I said, would you uh, consider being on a panel? We're gonna do something in Hawaii. Uh, at the end of the year, I said, I want you to mock board. Would you consider being the dysfunctional CEO? And I said, well, show me. Yeah, I said, yeah, because everybody thinks I'm a, you know, a straight lace kind of guy. And I want to show the other side. So I think what I found was to enroll people, you need to come up with some new ideas, some new energy, some new challenges, and then reach out to them and say, basically, we want you to do this. You know, would you do it? And the thing they enjoy doing the most is I'll put it on my calendar. You give me a date and a time. 
Okay. And versus me talking about all the benefits of corporate governance and, you know, uh, how can we build a relationship? It's, it's, we don't have time for that. Okay. This is like uh, online dating. You might, you want to be part of this or, well, I can't take it that date, but how about the, you know, uh, keep me in mind for the next one. And then they may invite me to, to present to their group as well, because it's across referral on a new subject. Okay. That's not boring because a lot of this is uh, this, the material, this recycled material. Okay. And it was, uh, and it comes with a little bit of a, a incremental improvement. But what can you like? The big thing that a lot of our people ask: Well, tell me something I don't know, and tell me something I can I, give me something I can do that helps me, not just talk about talk about. Because that's one of the downfalls of Zoom is that you know there was too much talk about. So we almost eliminated all those talk about panels and rehashing the same subjects with a with a little different perspective. Uh, but, but by often by people who, you know, only have written about it or have uh, taught it in a class, but haven't really done it. I mean, there's no energy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those, the mock, the mock boardrooms sound fun. That was a, yeah, we've got about 15 of those. And it's amazing because people really enjoy doing something out of their normal character. Okay. And, and the ones that really, I have a couple of people that are just, you know, very well regarded, high integrity and so forth, but you know, they realize. Well, I'm kind of boring. Okay. Can you make me the sleazy CEO and, you know, show me manipulating people and people get a kick out of once they know that, you know, they know who this person is, how out of respect. And he's, you know, he's being a, a, like a, a, like a scuzzy manipulator as the CEO. That's much more interesting than saying, well, you have to be a high integrity leader. Okay. Who cares? Right. And probably more accurate that you'll Oh yeah. Run into difficult personalities. So yeah, it's, oh exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, so I know um we're both uh so Indie Books International and yourself, we're both involved with like the Executive Next Practices yeah. Institute Forum. And obviously you're you're the head of the SoCal Private Directors Association. So I see I was, until benefit. I was until a couple of months ago. Yeah. I, I, I kind of up uh my welcome, uh, you know, I push, I'm, I'm kind of a pusher. You can see I'm doing different assessment things. So we had a little bit of disagreement, but uh, uh, executive next practice and Henry, like I've used a lot of, of ideas to build my business, including a seminar for private companies and how to build boards and so forth. So, you know, I, I really appreciate all the uh, the resources that Henry and has put together in the books and so forth. So it's very, very helpful. Oh, good. Glad to hear it. So, I mean, I know we see there's a lot of associations people can join, but I think a lot of people hesitate too. So what would you, would you recommend people do get involved in, in associations that are a good fit for whatever their, their audiences and industry is? Oh, absolutely. But, but I think what happens is one of the things when we started the private directors association, we found there's, there's a lot of gatekeepers at these associations, okay? So if you're not in that elite group, and I was also on the board of the Forum for Corporate Directors in Orange County for 13 years, you know, you're just part of the audience, okay? And even if you speak, you, you know, you don't have a, 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 like, what do you actually get out of it is what I'm saying for the, because I put a lot of time in some of these associations and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I got out of them. So one of the things that we got excited about with the Private Directors Association is because it, 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 it was, uh, not industry specific or functional specific. So we could say to the people that are maybe in their 50s that are thinking about, well, what's my next career move? You know, uh, I have my business, my consulting, I've been successful at it. How do I get more clients? How do I sustain clients? How do I move up? 
And then what do I do about my own personal life, the second half of the last quarter, about the impact I can make, or can I make more money, a contribution at the board level? So one of the things that, that, that we promoted was this idea of, you know, make sure that you learn all about board stuff, get connected with board stuff, and transcend your healthcare industry or your technology industry, because that's where all of you congregate anyway, and you're basically like a church just talking to each other. Okay, so how can you reach out? So we're basically encouraging people to get involved in these in these board situations and not esoteric public companies, because there's only about 3,600 public companies or 6 million private companies. So we're saying that even in Orange County, we could just get involved more in uh, kind of this board idea of helping boards get better, getting on boards, holding boards accountable, becoming investors. So there's a whole new area. So not I'm not saying to people, you know, uh, leave your little association for your industry, but that's not where you want to be for the excitement. Take what your expertise is and maybe add a board component to it because the board stuff at the, at the B level, it's really the C level stuff that you got to reconstitute to appeal to the board. Uh, you know, the boards, uh, you know, they don't want to go that deep. They don't want to get them involved. They don't know that much. So can you take your, your C level stuff and get that into the boardroom and go into all kinds of industries and use your wisdom and so forth? Because the industry, industry experience isn't that valuable. You can buy that kind of stuff. But are you somebody they can look to with wisdom that can make things happen, that can build boards and so forth? So I think my, my biggest thing is I don't know if I waste Maybe, you know, for the ones you're already into and you're part of, continue. But I think this is a lot of, I think during COVID, a lot of us started looking at, you know, like, what am, why am I spending my time going down this Excel spreadsheet about you know, the money and the time when, you know, when you do your mileage at the end of the year or, and then what you spent for events and you wonder, what the heck did I get out of it? Okay. So what I am promoting is, is, is taking this board idea and using it as a new platform for you to kind of market your services in a different way and really become a trusted advisor and become a board member or become an advisor to that board uh, that has sustainable business. And you're taking all the stuff you already know and you're just taking it to the next level. Otherwise, you, you know, you're going to lose a lot of stuff on the table because you're you're not engaged at the board level. So I don't want to overemphasize that, but I think that's where the action is for these private companies. And we have hundreds of them in Southern California uh, that many of the people that are on this call are probably already dealing with. So are they are they getting involved in the board? Do they know the succession plan? Do they know what the weakness is? Can they help? the business owner, the investor move to the next level and then build a team to do that and not do it in isolated silos where one guy does this, one gal does this and so forth. And it really doesn't have the impact because a lot of these companies need very professional board centric services to get to the next level, to, to have that, that exit, to do these things. And they can't do it kind of the old way with haphazard uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, consulting that is not coordinated. Okay, thank you. Uh, so during the pandemic in the last two years, did you come across any kind of maybe counterintuitive marketing lessons? Uh, yeah, I think I, uh, I addressed, well, the, uh, I think the other thing is that being lazy after a while, I don't, I don't wanna drive that much, is that I, instead of the law of promotion, you know, and I think over my career, it's kind of been by the law of attraction. And I, I, you know, I think it's like, uh, but, but I think I needed to get at the at, at bat more often. You know, you can be a great hitter, but if you're not getting at the bat enough, then you're not intentional in building your marketing platform, and uh, and so forth. So, so what I learned from Zoom is that um, I create like an attractiveness about the platform, what we're doing, that appeals to people. Okay, 
and they call me and they want to do it. Okay. Versus uh, the old uh, way was, you know, they want to come up and uh, ask you a question or two after you made a presentation, but, you know, or they want to discuss a theory or what they want to do, or they want to promote themselves. And so, uh, or if you go out, you're, you're, you're actually selling and promoting yourself. I think when you get to a certain level, there should be a law of attraction. So you need to be a thought leader. You need to have these other, you know, other attributes. So you kind of move from the marketing, the sales, all of the, you know, the, you know, all the marketing uh, concepts. And you say, well, how can I uh, help people move to where they want to go? And then I don't have to be that smooth. I don't have to make that many calls because they're calling me because like after the CFO leadership, you know, I had like 50 calls from CFOs that, that wanted help, but it wasn't a selling kind of a thing. It was the law of attraction. So every time we do one of these things or the executive MBAs, they'll call me. Now I need to kind of get on my, on my horse and start building. We have some systems and so forth so that we can accommodate them and make sure that we're getting the most out of that uh, relationship. So that's my next phase. But I think the, the biggest thing I learned is that to focus on the law of attraction rather than the law of promotion. And then, then the other part is obviously, you know, make sure your system works. So you follow, you do the basics. Yeah, yeah we, we call those kind of events showcase events. Because mm -hmm. it, it's so true. They, once they can experience you, you, you prove your credibility and the calls come after that. Exactly. And, and, and I think Andy's real good at this because you guys know as consultants, you know, we, we have an ego. So we like our books. We like our speaking assignments and we'd like to make money. So what I try to do is, is kind of imply that using the board platform and saying, you know, here's a new cool platform you should consider. You don't have to consider it because maybe you don't need it, but wouldn't it be nice to have something that uh, kind of gets you excited that's different? That's, that's relevant and you're probably involved in boards anyway you know you're you're your friends at the club or you know they're involved in boards and so people aren't just thinking about building businesses you know they're thinking about their families the spirituality the communities making a difference so how do you do that and we found that boards are the best way to do that so it's not just uh, you know public companies trying to make money we're talking about nonprofits how do we get this the, a group of you know, uh, 20 board members uh, that are involved in a nonprofit to really do very, very well so they can accelerate their mission and not just, you know, be dysfunctional. So there's a lot of exciting. So we need to kind of uh, hit that exciting chord with everybody. And then, it, it, you know, they take over and they come after you. Yes. Well, I apologize. I realized I forgot to mention mm -hmm. Larry's book in, in the intro. And this is the Marketing with a Book podcast. So sorry yes. about that. He is the co-author of God in the Boardroom. So Larry, would you tell us a little bit about your book and maybe how you you have used that to market your business as well? Yeah, you know, it was really exciting, but I have to admit in public now that I've been a total failure in marketing the book. And so, uh, and I'll give you an example. I wrote the book because a friend of mine who, who is, has a personal development group and very strong Christian, you know, I said I had a dream and I thought that God uh, was the chairman, a crusty chairman of a board and Jesus was the CEO. And they were upset with their with their board members, their leaders, the pastors, because Christianity is losing market share at 32%. So, so we try to make kind of a business uh, book, what goes on in the boardroom with a spiritual approach. I think what I what I really need to do is kind of make sure that sometimes you don't dilute one side or the other. So we may come up and have a new version and say, hey, this is about the board and about the highest client I could get. Okay, God. So what happens is it shows all the episodes of, of how things happen and don't happen to the boardroom and how you get people together. So the only <laughs> the negative thing, I'd have to maybe get some more advice from you guys. 
I was doing a California bankers presentation and I wanted to introduce myself. And I said, I also wrote this book. And so I had talked to the organizer of it, real nice lady, young lady, and she's a very strong Christian. So I, I started talking about the book. And so as I'm talking, she comes up and she says, Mr. Cabaldon, uh, I'm sorry, but on our association, we can't talk about, uh, uh, what is it, politics or religion, okay? And I said, you know, I, I had my weird sense of humor. I said, well, can I talk about sex? Is, you know, is that okay? But what happened was, you know, and I knew everybody in the audience were probably Christians, okay? But uh, so the other part of this is we gotta be careful. I'm kind of outspoken with this cancel uh, uh, culture now that you, you know, you don't be uh, canceled because of your uh, values and beliefs. And we had this with some of the issues in diversity for women, you know, where I kind of said, I think when one uh, organization, and I need to figure out, maybe women can help me with this, but I don't want to change that much. I said something like, well, she's not just a pretty face. And, you know, what happened, and, and, I, and I need to be up to date as to all of this, you know, you know what, what conferences the women are going to, but that outraged some women. Okay, and my the women I know, you know, a lot of them are older now. They said I would have thought of that as a compliment. Okay, but there's a, there, you know, so we got to be careful a little bit without uh, compromising your values uh, as to what you say. Okay, so it's a very delicate thing, and it's particularly delicate in the boardroom right now with all the transitions that are going on, because many of the boardrooms now are beginning so much involved with ESG, diversity, and so forth. They're they're not remembering to make money. Because they got to do that first and then do all the other things. But so, so the book, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, I may call you guys and say, well, you know, why don't we uh, redo it and make it more of a business book that integrates spirituality with people at the highest you know, levels of their career. Uh, so I don't have to write another book, which I probably will have to write one on the, you know, the boards themselves because I got enough material. Uh, so I may call you for that. But so that was the, the kind of the mix. The, the, it was very book was very well received. I went around and promoted it. But I, but I think it was kind of on that, that fence of, is it a Christian book or is it a business book? And I think uh, we, we need to do a better messaging job on it. So maybe you guys can help me with that. Yeah. Yeah, because there's, there's business novels or allegories that kind of use well, storytelling I to- I gave an example of, uh, Ken Blanchard called me. Yeah. He heard about the book and he said, Larry, how can I help you? And I'm going like, well, this is one of those opportunities, Ken, you know, because I, I really admire Ken. So he, he had a meeting with me and he said, Larry, you know, and you know how he is, he's a great co-author. All you need is his name. So I'm all excited. And then uh, uh, he had a, a program called uh, Lead Like Jesus. He wrote a book and so forth. So I got a call. I don't think this is out of school. And, uh, you, know, you know, the executive of that said, hey, we really apologize. But if Ken gets involved with, with what you're doing, it might you know, deflect from uh, lead like Jesus. So uh, we've advised him not to help you. I go, oh, okay. But what I'm getting at is like Ken Blanchard has done this very well. Uh, John Maxwell has done it very well. So maybe I just need to, to learn how to how to do it well too. Yeah, there's there's definitely an audience for it, but, but you're right. It won't it won't hit everyone. But that's no, I don't want to hit everyone. But just you yeah. know, maybe half of them, right? right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's back to the the beginning. You know, know your audience. Yeah, know your audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us, Larry. Um, is there anything else you want to share before we go? Or also, where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, it's Larry at boardroomperformancegroup.com. So you can reach me. And what, one of the things that, that I'd like to offer, 
is that I think there's such a huge potential uh, of uh, a business that we're all leaving on the table, uh, you know, particularly consultants who haven't worked with boards. Okay. And so once they start realizing the danger, they're the number one by not working with the board and the potential, uh, then they get motivated. Okay. Cause they, they get excited again. So what I'm offering is, is I'd love if, you know, the people on the podcast, if they are, are struck by this, you know, look at the PDA, look at NACD, look at some of the other articles and uh, look at some of the things I did at, my, at our website. And then if they're interested in maybe expanding in this area, either to advise boards, be on a board or build a board, and they think they have a, a good marketplace, call me and maybe we can work out some uh, arrangements where we can help each other because I've been on retainer with some consultants, you know, they work with the CEO and they, they don't work with the board. So they're asking me, well, what do you, what did I, uh, what do I think about a board decision about the CEO? So, you know, for those who don't have the experience, because I spend like 90% of my time on the other side of the board curtain, you know, finding out what they're doing, assessing them, where most consultants will spend 10% of their time presenting to sell to a board. And then uh, the other uh, part will be the presentation to the board, but they have no relationship with the board. So I think if, the, if, 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 the, if, you're, if your listeners say, well, I want to look at some of the board contacts I have. At my age, you know, what boards am I on? Nonprofit. Uh, you know, my clients, do they have boards? Do I know about them? And, uh, and my associations that I'm involved with or the next book I write, you know, can we uh, shift it to the B level uh, rather than just the C level and open up a whole new market for you. So call me if you want to, if somebody is interested in doing that and has potential to do it, okay, because I think it would be something very worthwhile. Thank you so much, Larry. That's very generous. Mm -hmm. so again, it's boardroomperformancegroup.com, but we'll also put the link in the episode details if you want to follow up later. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been another episode of Marketing with a Book. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.